There it is. The famous click. When you hear the thump, you know you're on. Good morning, everyone. Glad to have everyone here this morning. Another beautiful morning. Another day that the Lord has made. If you're visiting with us this morning, we ask that you fill out a card. They're in the back of the pew. Fill that out and put it in the black box there in the back or in the collection plate. And if you would, stick around. We would love to say hello and get to meet you. And we're honored that you chose to be with us this morning. Also, check the bulletins for your life group activities that's listed in there. And if everyone would, they, they need to try to pick up a bulletin. I know lots of times I forget, and it seems like if I have a bulletin, I know more or remember more what's going on, so I encourage everyone to do that. Also, this morning is our special needs contribution. I want to remind each one of that in our pantry drive and thank everyone for those who's brought in uh, food. That's a very good thing that we do, and we appreciate Brian and Tanya for uh, looking after that and keep us informed of what we need. It's a very good thing that we do in this community. We had a men's meeting Saturday. We had 22 men come, and, and we had a little planning session for next year, and we had a good meeting. We look forward to things to come, and, and we're just thankful and blessed to have this congregation here at Rome. I'd like to read from John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40. John chapter 6, verse 38 through 40. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Those are some good thoughts for those that love the Lord. Bow with me, please. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thankful for all the blessings that we have that you bestow upon us and Father, we know that all good things come from you. Father, we're mindful of those that this morning who aren't able to be here with us, and, and we pray, Father, that you will bless them. We pray for our shut-ins, and we pray, Father, for those uh, who are in our bulletin, or those who are battling cancer and maybe heart problems and just whatever it may be, Lord. We just uh, ask that you will bless them. and. And be with those who are attending them, Father, that, uh, that they will give them the right types of medicines and treatments that they need. We're thankful, Father, for those who are back with us who, who have been, uh, been away for whatever reason. We ask blessings on them. And we just thank you so much for all that, uh, that's been done in this congregation and things that, that uh, we are seeking to do, Father, in the future. We pray for Chris this morning as he brings us a lesson. Pray, Father, that you'll help us to, uh, to apply these uh, words that we're about to hear to our everyday lives. And, and Father, we, uh, 
just ask that you'll just continue to, to watch over us and, and help us to do your will. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 583, Sing to Me of Heaven. <clears throat> To be Next hymn this morning, number 720, Watch and Pray, 720. We'll sing the first three verses, and after that, Brother Mike Webb will have our scripture reading and prayer. Watch and pray for the Lord is coming, coming in the cross of day. What
Please bow with me. Father, we thank you so much for another day of life. It's truly a blessing to wake up each day, to know that it's in you that we live and move and have our very life. Father, to wake up on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, to a fresh week with opportunities and of, of just new experiences, Father, to wake up uh, to opportunity to worship you to come to a place like Rome uh, to a church with great great leadership uh, great members uh, father a preacher who loves your word and teaches it well father a place where we're led in, in singing uh, that has purpose behind it where we can focus on the words and that lead us just as we've just sung uh, to watch and to pray, Father, we, we come together to understand that there's something beyond this life, that we get to, to live a, a, a wonderful life that you've given us that is full of joys and opportunities and blessings, but the Father that is as wonderful as this world that you created for us is, that it won't last forever. There's something beyond it that, you, that Jesus has promised to come back. And he will come back someday. We don't know when that will be, and we need to be ready. Whether it be early in the morning or late at night, that as Jesus told in this parable uh, of the wise and foolish virgins, that we need to be ready, and we don't need to be caught unaware. Father, help us to focus on that when we're together in, in worship, to, to listen to the, the truth of your word. Father, to understand that because these bodies, as beautiful and wonderfully made as they are, are not intended to enter heaven, that if we 
this, this body fails us before you come back, that we need to have our souls prepared, that we can celebrate that fact, not fear it, to, to listen to your word and to talk to you and, and to hear from you and to remember the Lord's death and sacrifice and resurrection until you come so that we're prepared for that, that time. Father, I just pray that everything we do here today in, in this time of worship is beneficial towards that. Father, we're, we're thankful that we can come to you on behalf of others. And Father, we have a, a very lengthy list of people that, that are in need of our prayers and your intercession. And we're thankful for the bulletin that, that lists those. Father, for those who are, have immediate needs, like Chuck Davison and Beverly Edwards and Friday Simpson, Nancy Black, Jim Martin, Carolyn Olin, John and Brenda Klein, Marvin Jordan, Charlie Basso, and Roger Pryor. For those who have an ongoing battle with cancer, Father, in uh, addition to Chuck, Jim Heine, or Haney and Jimmy Wick, uh, and Don, David Spurlock, Noreen, our shut-ins who face daily struggles and loneliness and, and need. May we think of them and reach out to them and help them. Father, we thank you for the church that we're not alone here in this world and that we can uh, be beneficial and, and helpful in the lives of our members and also our families and loved ones and even those in our community. Father, I pray that we are influential and that we are useful in your service. That, Father, that we can share the love that you have for all with others. And, Father, as we go throughout this service and as we go throughout this time of worship, and, Father, as we go throughout this week, that the things that we do and say and learn and gain here, that we'll take with us and share. Please just help us clear our minds of all distractions and worship you in spirit and in truth. In Christ's name, amen. In Matthew 7, please uh, follow along or take out your Bible and read along with me. To the conclusion of Jesus' uh, sermon when he went up on the mountain, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. Next hymn this morning, number 268, I gave my life for thee, 268, <clears throat> sing the first three verses. I gave my life for thee, in my Oh! 
As we prepare our minds to partake of the Lord's Supper, I have a few questions for us to think about. Are you thankful or thankless? Are you rich or are you poor? Are you saved or are you condemned? Are you helpful or are you an enabler? Are you a worker or one that watches? Are you encouraging others or are you a complainer? Can people see Christ in you or are there doubts? Do you pray often or only when in need? All these questions <clears throat> must be answered by you and only you. If you're like me, sometimes the answers are not where they always need to be. That's why it's such an honor and a privilege to come to the table each and every Sunday to remember our Savior and the sacrifice that he made for us. Because without him, we are nothing, but through his sacrifice, we are seen as pure. We need to praise God Almighty for this always. We are going to take the bread, which represents Jesus' body, and the fruit of the vine, which represents Jesus' blood. As we do so, let's remember Jesus on the cross and the sacrifice that he did for our behalf. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come to you this day thanking you so much, Father, for the Son, for your Son, Jesus, for his willingness to be a sacrifice on our behalf. Though we are not worthy, you see us as worthy, Father, and we're so grateful and thankful for that. As we partake of the bread which represents Jesus' body, we pray that we do so in a pleasing manner. It's through his name that we pray. Amen.
Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come to you, continue in our prayer, Father, mindful of the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood that was shed on the cross from his hands to his feet, from his brow to his back, all over God, which cleanses us from our sins. We're so grateful. As we partake of this fruit of the vine, we pray that we do so in a pleasing manner in accordance with your will. In your son's name we pray, amen. We now have the opportunity to uh, follow another commandment Jesus gave us, opportunity to give back. You know, giving, there's so many different ways you can give. You can give a, a smile to someone. You can give a word of encouragement. You can give a pat on the back. There's all kinds of ways you can give. Uh, 
but we need to do the work of the church, and that requires financially giving back. We know that all things that we have was given to us uh, from the good God above, and without his blessings, we wouldn't have what we do have to be able to give back. So as we give back a portion which he has so richly blessed us with, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you this day thanking you so much for all the gifts of this life that you have given us, Father. From the country in which we live, for the freedoms that we have, for the church here at Rome, Father, for the elders and their wives and their leadership, Father, as we give back this day, I pray that the decisions that are made with the funds are in accordance with your will and pleasing in your sight. Thank you for all that you do for us, Father. And thank you so much for uh, the gift of your son, most of all. It's through his name that we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 754, When Jesus Comes, 754. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. Yeah. 
meditation hymn for this morning, number 674. There's a great day coming, Brother Chris. Good morning. We're going through a series now where we're answering some big questions. One of those this morning that's pretty big. Um, it's really three lessons in one, I guess. It's, we're calling it Heaven, Hell, and Judgment. Um, and so we're going to dive into that. We're going to do a lot of scripture today. I wanted to be able to provide to you um, just what the Bible says on these topics. These are biblical topics. Um, and so we wanted to just go through the verses with you and present this argument. Um, so... We're going to dive in. All right. There's some things that we know about heaven uh, before. Um, sorry, the PowerPoint's messing me up. <laughs> I'm trying to think and do it at the same time. Um, there's some things that we know about heaven, right? Well, one of the first things we know about heaven is I know it's real, right? First Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 12 through 14, teaches us heaven's real. There's a book. Uh, several years ago, Heaven is for Real. I disagree with a lot of the things that that book says, but the title, I like it an awful lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? Paul's saying that the, the pivotal point uh, of our faith is the resurrection of the dead. Jesus really was raised, and if he wasn't raised, then none of us are going to get raised either because the resurrection is not true. But he says, that's his argument in 1 Corinthians 15, the, re, Jesus really was resurrected. Um, and so we really be, will be resurrected too. Where we're going after that is one of those uh, two places that we're going to talk about this morning, even he, either heaven or hell. But we know that our, our souls have to go somewhere. And so we know that heaven is real outside of all the verses that talk about it, simply this one argument from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 teaches that fact. Heaven is, is real. If you skip down a couple of verses, you'll find the next little component that we need to think about. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50 teaches that heaven is a spiritual place. Look in verse 15. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So heaven is a spiritual place. It's not a physical place. You can't, you can't put your finger on it. You can't fly to the moon and look down and see it. And it's, it's not like that. It's a, it's a spiritual place. We know, of course, that our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, the snap of a finger. When Jesus comes back, our bodies will go from physical flesh and blood to more of a glorified type body. One, a body like what Jesus had after his resurrection. He could still eat um, broiled fish uh, on, the, on the, the Sea of Galilee there that morning uh, when he met the disciples. He could still eat the fish. Uh, in fact, Thomas could still put his hands in the nail wounds, right? How's that? That's better, right? Now you can hear me? All right. Sorry. All kinds of problems today. Okay, so... We know heaven is a spiritual place, but our bodies are going to be changed because spirit can't, or flesh and blood can't 
inherit heaven. We can't get there with flesh and blood. So our bodies are going to be changed like Jesus' was after his resurrection. We know that he ate fish, right? So his body's got a corporal component. It's, 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 it's physical. Um, we know that Thomas could put the, his hands in the nail wounds and the spear wounds. So we know his body has a physical component, but also he could walk through walls. And so it's got a spiritual component. It's a different type body. That's, John says, uh, what our bodies are going to be like-like in our post-resurrection experience in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. So, if you're worried um, that um, uh, about the loved ones who were in Christ that have been cremated, don't worry. God's if He's capable of uh, of, of resurrecting uh, a, a body, then He's certainly capable of re putting that body back together. That, that seems to be a question some of us have struggled with over the years is, well, what about cremation? Um, I kind of wanted to, to put these two components together. Thanks, guys. Good job. Um, so uh, as we're thinking about that, like Peter and Paul, the, all the apostles' bodies, they're, they're, they're no longer, they're, they're dust. They've returned back to dust. After 2,000 years, even, even their bones are, are gone now. So certainly they're not going to get left out, right? They're not going to get left behind. When he comes back, he's going to knit their bodies back together, and then he's going to change them. In the twinkling of an eye, they're going to be, they're going to be different. They're going to be glorified, um, much like Jesus' was. That's the argument John makes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. So I know heaven is real. I know it's a spiritual place. Uh, also know it's eternal. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, verse 1 teaches us that it's, it's a house not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. And so whatever heaven's going to look like, whatever I'm going to be doing there as, um, as I, if we can put it like this, spend eternity, um, it will be eternal. It's, it's going to be forever. Uh, check out Matthew 13, verse 44. Um, Jesus tells a couple of parables in Matthew 13 that teaches us that heaven is worth Whatever you have to give up to obtain it, heaven's worth it. Um, so if you, want, if you um, are, are trying to make a trade, you can put all of the world's goods, all of everything on this side of the scales and have heaven on this side, and it's still a good trade. It's, it's a necessary trade. In fact, he, he phrases it like this in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. So heaven is worth giving up everything for. Family connections, right? Um, possessions, preconceived notions, my personality. It's worth whatever I have to give up to obtain it. It's worth giving up all of those things. I know that only those in Christ will be there. Check out what he says in Revelation chapter 14. By the way, tonight we're talking a little bit more about Revelation. Um, so I'm kind of excited about that lesson as well. So um, make sure you make it back for our services tonight uh, to, to hear about um, a little bit more on Revelation. So I know that only those in Christ will, will be in heaven. Listen to what he says in Revelation 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, for they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. So 
I'm curious now about this question. How do I get inside of Christ? Well, only the dead who, only the ones who die in the Lord are going to be in heaven. So how do I get in the Lord? Well, flip over to Galatians chapter 3. He answers this question in a multiplicity of, of passages. Uh, but Galatians 3 will serve our purposes this morning just fine. Galatians chapter 3. Interestingly enough, as you look for those uh, passages this week, there are several of them. They all give the exact same answer. You're not going to find a different answer in one of them than you are in the other. There's only one way to get inside of Christ. And he talks about it here in Galatians chapter 3. Verses 26 and 27, he says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as, many of you, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ. Underline into Christ. How do you get into Christ? Well, you're baptized into Him. You've put on Christ at that point. You're in the Lord. When Before your baptism, you're not in the Lord. You're in a lost condition. But after your baptism, after your, after your immersion, for the purpose of the forgiveness of your sins, now you're inside of Christ, you're in the Lord. Those are the people who are going to be in heaven, but it's going to be a smaller group than that. Not everyone who is baptized for the purpose of the forgiveness of their sins is going to make it to heaven, right? That's what we believe. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, the passage Mike read for you uh, this morning, there's going to be an awful lot of people who think that they got in who will be wrong. We need to not be in that group. We need to not be surprised. Here's one of the qualifications for um, living faithfully. We talk about that a lot, right? After your baptism, you need to live faithfully. Well, what does that look like exactly? Well, here's one of the things that it looks like. In Revelation 14, that other underlined word, that word labors that he uses there, those are people that have exhausted themselves in his service. They can't take another step. I don't think you've ever been there. I've never been there been so exhausted that I could not do one more thing, right? Um, we do lock-ins sometimes, especially when I was younger. We'd do lock-ins with, with, with the youth group and stuff. And I'd get back at 7 o'clock, and we would have inflatables. And, uh, and I did, couldn't pay for uh, the next, for, uh, for the inflatable for the next day. And so I'd have to take that thing back. 7 o'clock in the morning after staying up all night, I'd drive an hour on into Nashville to take that inflatable back. I could do one more thing. And by the time I got home, I thought, oh, that was a bad idea. I'm not going to do that again. Next lock in, did it again. Not a smart person. But you can do one more thing all the time. He says, here, these people have so exhausted themselves in his service. Can't do one more thing. I'm just flat out exhausted. Those are the people that are going to make it. The ones that are half-hearted, the ones that are half-trying, the ones that aren't trying at all, not going to make it. That's one of the things I know about heaven. Um, here's another one. There's Revelation 14 uh, yet again. But I know it's going to be rest. Um, we overlook Revelation sometimes because it's difficult, but there are so many gems uh, in Revelation. Obviously, uh, that is the case. But here we find another one. I know that heaven's going to be rest. Um, and what exactly I'm going to be doing there, the Holy Spirit confirms for me that it's going to be a place of rest. Revelation 22, verse 3 is worth looking at uh, when we think about what we're going to be doing there. I think this might uh, shed a little bit of light on, on that question. Revelation 22, verse 3, he says, No longer will there be anything accursed, 
but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants, there it is, that's what we're going to be doing, and His servants will worship Him. Revelation 7 tells us that that's going to be a constant thing. That's what's happening in heaven right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, all the ones who are there, the angelic beings that are there, are constantly saying, do you remember, holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was and is and is to come. That's what they're doing right now. That's what they've been doing since the beginning of creation. And that's what they're going to be doing with us in eternity. So it will be rest in that the things that we're doing here are no longer necessary there. <coughs> the self-discipline that you're uh, exhibiting now over sin will not be necessary there because sin can't get to that place. Um, the evangelism that you're doing now, that you're wearing yourself out in now, will not be necessary there because everyone will know the Lord, right? Um, the, these things will not be necessary there. And so we will obtain rest. But one of the things we do there is worship forever, eternity. Now, if you're thinking, well, I don't know if I can do that. Like my voice won't last or my brain won't last. My, my, my focus won't, won't be there for eternity. For, I got it for a couple hours, but good gracious, after a day I'm going to be tired. This just goes to show you the, the fallenness of our, of our brains, right? To not be able to wrap our heads around that idea that we can and should and will forever have exuberance in our worship. It will be rest, but there will be constant worship there. And that is something we need to be so, so excited about. I know there's room for you there. In John chapter 14, just as Jesus is leaving uh, his disciples, he's convinced them now he's leaving. He's going to die. He's convinced them that they don't like it. Uh, and they're quite honestly terrified, uh, very, very upset about it, um, unsettled. They don't know what they're going to do. And so he provides these words for them. Um, but one of the things that he tells them is that he's going to prepare a place for them. And if he's going to prepare a place for them, he's going to bring them to himself. But one of the things that he says here uh, is that in his father's house, there are many rooms. Literally what he's saying is there's room for you. There's room for you there. For all the ones who have been immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and have exhausted themselves in his labor, there's room for you there. Listen to what he says in Revelation 21 while we're thinking about this. Uh, I don't know that I've ever thought through this, this passage, but just listen to how big he pictures heaven as. And then, of course, think, well, heaven's not, excuse me, Revelation's not a literal uh, book. We're not meant to read this literally. And so what he's trying, what's he trying to say with these words? Listen to his, uh, how big he says heaven actually is. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. So there's an angel with a ruler in heaven. Cool. The city lies four square, its length, is, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurements, but it's also the, an angel's measurement. I don't know what he means by that, but we'll have to come back to that later. Um, but the, the size of the city, just, just stop and think about what he's trying to say here real quick. How many, squares, how many square miles is he saying are in heaven? Well, I wrote it down. Let's see. He says that there are going to, that in, in here he's talking about 
there are there's enough square mile there's oh, you go you try to do these illustrations to make it useful for you and then you forget the number but there are 200 square miles 200 million square miles on earth everybody with me 200 million square miles on earth you could fit 165 earths in heaven if it's literal it's not literal right so what's he trying to say there's room for you in heaven don't think you're going to get left out don't think just because um, the world's been standing for so long and so many faithful people that, he, that all the rooms are gone there's not there's room for you still there I know that God will be there. Um, Revelation 21 verse 3 tells me that God will be there. And he's the thing that makes it heaven. Without him, it would be hell. That's one of the things we're going to learn about hell. Also know from Revelation 21 verse 4 that there's no pain there. There's no crying, no mourning, no tears. Um, none of that stuff is, is there in, in heaven. I know that it's not a renovated earth. Check out what he says here in Revelation 21, verse 23. This seems to be a, a thought that's coming up properly in our society, that God's just going to renovate the earth and make it better, and, and that's really going to be heaven. That's not what Scripture teaches. Now, listen to this um, symbolism here in this passage. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the lamp. So the sun's gone. And Jesus is the light. And so the idea that this is a renovated earth just kind of falls, falls on its face there. That's not the case. I think I'll recognize people there. We're going to get to hell in just a second. Um, I think I'll recognize people there. Listen to what Abraham says in Genesis 25, verse 8. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age and an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. His body physically is in Canaan. Where are his people? They're in Mesopotamia, a couple hundred miles away. So his body's here in Canaan. His people are there in Mesopotamia. He's not physically gathered to his people. Where, why, in what sense is he gathered to his people? He's gathered to his people in the sense that he goes to some place, that we're going to talk about in a second, as an afterlife. When uh, Jacob thought he lost Joseph, Joseph's not dead, but Jacob thinks he is, he says he's going to see his son again in that place, in that afterlife. David, when he loses the, uh, the little boy, the newborn, he says, I can't, he can't come to me, but what? I can go to him. They seem to think that, there's, that they're going to recognize people in heaven. I think you will. I think you're going to know your grandmother who was in Christ. I think you're going to know your brother who was in Christ. I think you're going to know these people. I think you're going to recognize them. Um, we'll talk more about that. My plan, I know I went through this fast. I want to give you my notes. Uh, if you want them, I'll have them printed out for you and you can, you can take them, do what you want to with them. But I want to break out this, this series on heaven in a couple of different lessons next year. Um, so we'll, we'll dig into more of this stuff next year. So that's, that's what I know about heaven. What do we know about hell? Well, he says quite a bit about hell, too. One of the things he's going to say about hell is you don't want to go there. Do everything at your cost. Do everything in, in your power to stay away from this place. But before we get into that, we need to define our terms. Here's some of our terms that we're using, that the Scripture uses. So when he talks about Hades, 
What is Hades? It's not hell. Hades is the Hadean realm. It's everything where people go when they die. Good people go to Hades. Bad people go to Hades. It's, it's this place. It's a big place. Think about it like a circle. And so the Hadean realm is, is where everyone goes when they die. If you're bad, you go to a place called Tartarus. Uh, and it's where the evil people who are outside of Christ, um, it's where they have... It's where, it's where they're at right now. Um, the, par- uh, the, the story of, the, of Jesus tells, uh, the account Jesus tells of the rich man and Lazarus talks about this place. Um, the rich man is in Tartarus. It is a real place. People are really there. They are really experiencing torment right now. Gehenna is the forever home for those people. Uh, on the Day of Judgment, He's going to empty out these places, and the ones that are in Tartarus right now will end up in hell. Tartarus is a temporary home for the evil people. Gehenna, hell, is the uh, final home for bad people. So I know this is fast. I should have broken this down into three lessons. Okay, <laughs> lesson learned. Um, so let's, let's talk about hell for just a second. It should be avoided at all costs, right? 